0: Warning, if you're faint of heart or easily offended, this show is not for you. Hey, Andy, uh, we had Ronnie on the show and he started out singing. You wanna start us off with a song? <laughs> hey,
1: Veronica, in the last two years, he's actually just started talking. I don't think
2: he's gonna bring us in with a song. <laughs> Baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, just, yeah. Start, just start learning. Just start learning the language. Just start talking, and uh, you know, let's, let's start slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we don't need
1: that. Anyways, this is the Nick Vertucci show. My co-host Veronica Brill and our
0: guest today, Andy Stacks. Thanks, thanks, guys.
2: Uh, awesome to be here right now. I love what you did to the place. Uh, haven't been down this part of town forever, but honestly, I'm just happy to be back in in um, US right now. Uh, as many of you guys know, I've been in Asia for the last like half year since December. Um, like it was a lot of pros and cons. You know, a lot of the pros were just like you know the lifestyle is way different. Everything's really convenient, um, but more con- convenient
0: than America. Way like, more convenient because from Europe, uh. I always think of America as way more convenient.
2: You know, like when it comes to like uh, transportation and like uh, food and things like that, it's way more convenient there. Like you don't like basically, I didn't drive for six months, you know, and I was loving it. Like just taxiing everywhere, Ubers, um, uh, the mass rapid transit system, like the the, uh, um, subways, and uh, like the food. When it comes to food, oh my god! I, I the reason why I gained so much weight when I was out there, most of you guys will notice. Like if you look at the videos when I was out there, like was because literally like when you order uber eats and stuff like that it would come like that it would just it would just you would like finish ordering and then like 10 minutes your doorbell what's the reason
1: for that why though
2: because everybody's on scooters because like it's so congested that everybody Ah. has scooters and so all the delivery drivers like they just literally they don't even get off their scooters sometimes they'll just like they'll just drive by the restaurant and then they'll just hand them a bag and then they'll just say the name (laughs) and they'll just go and it's like it's so fast so what's your
0: what's your favorite place that you ate at and what was your favorite dish
2: man um street food is huge out there Uh in asia in general and especially in taiwan like i ordered like just a bunch of like grilled street food and like uh just grilled meats um like barbecue stuff and just yeah all the street foods and like just tons of desserts too like shaved ice and like yeah it was just honestly, honestly it was just very hard to like um stay fit and like have live a really balanced healthy lifestyle out there but luckily i did do like a lot of um, like hiking and like nature stuff in general too. Like if you guys go to my social media, you'll see that like a lot of my posts were just like non poker related. I was just completely removed from the poker environment in general and just focusing on like um, just living, you know, just like outside. What of was poker. the
1: reason that you went? What was the initial reason you went, and what's the reason you stayed two years?
2: Um, <laughs> I initially wasn't planning to go out there for that long. I was yeah. going to stay till after Chinese New Year's, which was end of February. Mm-hmm. of 2022 but what ended up happening was that i just got addicted to like being out there and just the the change in pace you know like yeah i think the biggest thing is that like um for many people that uh know my story is that in poker i've been in poker for like about two decades now and it's just been non-stop like that's that was my entire life for at least like the good last decade you know like the first half decade it was like a lot of me still getting into it and not completely immersed, but definitely for the last decade, it was just every single day was like, that was my life, you know? And I think it was such a refreshing thing for me to go back to uh, the place where I was born, which is actually so so much more foreign to me than the US. Um, and just rediscover, you know, like whether that's just, like I said, like going out in nature, going to all these places I've never been to and seeing it with my own eyes or just, um, you know, connecting with the poker community actually out there as well and we just and discovering that because I didn't even know poker existed First did you play much there. poker out there I didn't play much poker but I did um do some collaborations with some local card rooms and that involved that allowed me to be involved in the poker community out there right um, but as far as like actual grinding and playing games like I didn't do that so much but I did um, I was involved in, in, with poker out there. Are yeah. they playing
0: like a like regular 2-5, yeah. no limit five ten out there kind of games? Or are they playing more PLO? Like what do their games look like out there?
2: It's not so much PLO. It's definitely no limit. Um, it's still very new. It, I, I, in Taiwan specifically, it's been out there. I think now it's like the either the fifth or the sixth year. Now, maybe on the sixth year that these card rooms have been open. Um, but it's, man, poker out there is booming. Like it's huge, you know? like. Chinese people love poker like I, I I would say like you know it's in our blood you know it's, I would say people yeah. love poker
0: everyone yeah. <laughs> every every country has its like <laughs> oh favorite game it seems like
2: for sure the- for sure like it's it's I was so surprised how much uh like how fast it was growing out there because like first it started in Taipei northern Taiwan and then I traveled to like other parts of Taiwan including central and southern which is like not as like Taipei is like a big city, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, there's going to be card rooms there. But I was surprised that they were popping up in other parts of Taiwan that were less developed and more rural. You know, I'm not saying like it's like super rural, but it's like just... There's not as many like the transportation is not as like convenient it's just a smaller city and but there was like plenty of card rooms opening No, all no limit hold them
0: i'm curious do they run like really big games out there or are they more private is do they have a private game culture out there too
2: uh they definitely have a private game scene i didn't involve myself in the private game scene um only because they were all um it's still as far as the legal part of it it's not it's not it's not there but uh what's fully legal is uh tournaments and so all, the, all these card rooms are fully legal and they run big tournaments where there's like, you know, a few hundred people sometimes. Um, and that's considered huge, a huge turnout for a city like Taipei when there's, you know, lines going out the card room to sign up for a tournament, you know, because, you know, you went from six years ago where like poker didn't exist at all to now there's a few hundred people lining up to play this card game that is so new, you know, and it's, I just think it's amazing. And once I realized that when I, when I was out there, Um, especially when I went back the first time in 2020, right when the pandemic hit, I realized that I had to be a part of it. Like I I just, I went from like, just not even knowing a poker to seeing how many people love poker and how many people actually looked up to me as a poker figure. Did a lot of people real they really knew who you were and they watch out here in the States. They do they know us as players? They know all of you guys. I would walk into card rooms in southern Taiwan and like giant card rooms. Like it'd be like half restaurant, like on one side, and the other half is like all these tape poker rooms, Yeah. All poker tables, right? And literally like like ten flasking TVs mounted on the wall and they're all playing like the poker streams that is we Is that right? Yeah. Like, the, that's <laughs> it's like, amazing. It's like it's crazy. That's all they watch. That's is like, cool. Yeah, and, and the part of it is because you got like, like you know, I know your business model is just creating like uh, free content for everybody and that's part of the reason. There's no paywall. Like, this, they just stream that stuff all over and they're all watching and playing and just the whole environment in there like, it's just So if
1: I walked in there in Taiwan, they would know who I was from watching. 100%. No 100%. Kidding. And you might even cool? get
2: stopped like... In public, Because I'll tell you a funny story. There was a couple times where I was like in, um, like there's a couple, like one, one time I was in an elevator going back to my, my place I was renting and the guy walked in and then he like tapped me on the shoulder and I was like, <laughs> and then he's like, are you Andy? And I, and I was just like, like H- well, how would you know my name? And then he's like, you play poker, right? Wow, that's so cool. The then, reach. Uh, huh? The reach that, that yeah, we're having. No, I know, just randomly. Like I, I didn't, that would never happen in LA, right? But right. then like um, a couple times in a taxi, like I got in and then the driver recognized me and asked me if I was pulled right said he said he's would see my videos and things like that and it's just it's crazy you, you so 34 you know? for this mm-hmm.
0: are they are they doing any live streaming themselves do they want to do that
2: yes yes they are um, in Taiwan they've uh, some of these card rooms multiple of them actually have already done live streams and I've been a part of them um, I've streamed some some of their games as well uh, on my channel as well mm-hmm. and uh, when I was out there and uh, yeah like they're, there's they're definitely on that the live stream game as well You know, maybe the equipment is not quite there yet and, um, all the technical parts of it, but it's, it's definitely growing fast and improving very fast and they're learning. Mm -hmm.
1: That's pretty cool. You know, one of the things we're doing real soon too is, uh, getting on a tail end of a deal we're doing that is going to bring, uh, our stream, like they're watching it there now, but to bring our stream into Taiwan, uh, China, Macau, other places, Mm -hmm. but with, um, with their language okay, and so we have someone we're working with that uh we might do a licensing agreement to take our stuff and uh translate and to it. translate it so for sure. it'll be for sure. cool
2: for sure yeah like um I, I, I saw that uh you had mentioned that in another podcast mm-hmm. i definitely think that there's a huge opportunity there you know because i know that a lot of um chinese sites and chinese channels will take content and they will like uh try to they will basically restream it or commentate over it in Chinese. Yeah, that's what doing I was gonna that. say. And, I've seen them mm-hmm. re
0: uh, like take the stream and do commentary over top, and I'm just like, oh, I'm curious what they think, you know, about what we said in this hand.
2: For sure, for sure. Um, on that note, actually, I might as well bring it up that like uh, I'm working on a project right now um, with my partners in uh, like I have a really really special team right now in Taiwan that's helping me with the growth, basically like of the whole branding of. Uh, like um, poker, like I'm trying to do in, China, yeah. in Taiwan and China, and um, what we want to do right now, what we're building is basically a, a platform, our own platform. We're creating a platform from, from scratch that is similar to like a training site, um, but the focus of the platform will be to um, for education purposes. Yeah, and that's um, cool. And and speaking of the streaming stuff, we will be live streaming this content as well, and so we will be completely open to any opportunities. Um, internationally, not just Chinese content, um, but do collaborations with restreaming um, content, like whether it's Hustler, Christina you know, Live or other other live streams, and uh, basically redoing that stuff uh, for the Chinese audience. So that means finding commentators that can comment in Chinese mm-hmm. or doing hand analysis. Basically, any any, of the, any any the sky's the limit for us, you know. And we're definitely going yeah, to totally. be looking for opportunities for that. That's so. cool. Mm-hmm. That's,
1: that's awesome. Yeah.
2: And let, let's. I'm going to just ask you a crazy
1: question. So right now, you're back here. You're back in the whole heat of things. You're playing again. Uh, I, I don't know if you're back, call it back in a groove here in the States. Right now, what would you say would you, if you had to pick... Would you rather be there or here? Now I know both are awesome, and I know it's going to be a question you probably can't answer. But just where where are you happier?
2: That's been the thing that I've been struggling with the, the most the last couple of years when I was out there. Um, I, I love both dearly, and it's so hard to choose. Um, yeah, I I think uh, I want to. I don't want to say since it's set in stone, but I think that long term I will be based in Asia. You know, my heart is kind of already pulling me there, but. Poker is keeping me here right now. You know? See, right, I guess like to
0: <laughs> to piggyback off of that question because I'm genuinely curious yeah. about like Chinese or poker in China. But um, what do you what's like the biggest cultural poker cultural differences that you've noticed?
2: I would say that the the poker culture of like not educating um, recreational players is not has not been has not been translated over there in China in China and Taiwan yet like it's a norm to like talk strategy at the table and like basically all the like the the how it's poker has evolved in the US you know like it's not like that yet in China and Taiwan you know it's still acceptable to like ask someone what they had after (laughs) a hand after you beat them and then like basically teach them like why would you call there like a lot of these like social things right is not they don't understand that, you know? Yeah. Like and I know that even like in you'll see it because like you'll see Chinese players, come on Hustle Casino Live, Sweet. and <coughs> yeah, and, <coughs> and they will do things and say things that maybe they come across as offensive.
0: You mean like berate but, a player for playing badly when you really shouldn't be tapping the glass kind of thing?
2: Yeah, or you know, just like make comments or like just say like things. Why? That, why did? You, why would you play? Why would you <laughs> bet there? Why would you do that? Why would you raise? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I I totally see both sides, and I'm torn when I I see the <laughs> criticism of. Chinese players you know because I, I, I'm, I'm like basically in the middle you know I understand both cultures I've lived in both places and so but what I noticed is that it mm-hmm. really is not intended to, uh, maliciously like 100% right. not intent so like anybody that's taking it that way I, I understand why they would because they're not used to it they've never seen it but um, 100% like in China and Taiwan like that culture isn't, isn't translate there like it's okay like if the VIP plays and you beat them in a the big hand they're not gonna get offended in China or Taiwan if like You tell them, and they might even be appreciative, like, because they want to learn. Yeah. You know, these guys are just so hungry for knowledge, you know? So
1: tell me what your take is
2: on this then. So I've taken a lot of praise
1: and a lot of criticism for very nicely, 95% of the time, telling Wesley like, the etiquette. Yeah. So, yeah. like, for, even when it's not for me, or mm-hmm. in my hand, and because, you know, when he first started playing, uh, he didn't know some of the terminologies, so we would talk about some terminologies, and then he would, someone would, you know, say to him, you know, you're good. Right. Yeah, you're good. I missed.
2: Right, right. Mm-hmm.
1: And he'd say, show me, you know. Huh. Uh, so my, my, oh, sorry, show me. I know, I'm saying, I'm looking at
0: you because I sent you a video of you asking to see someone's hands. So yeah, I that think was different. Ironic. We'll talk about that. That
1: was me and Ludacris, <laughs> but there was a reason for that. There really was. But we'll talk about that later. So so, my question to you is, is that in your opinion, yeah, I think that's good if you do it respectfully and like, hey, Wes, like, just so you know, like etiquette is like someone says you're good, like you turn your hand over and you just take the pot and because you know whatever or it might be this or it might be that do you think that's that's a good or a negative like for someone like Wes who is going to be in the states and is going to play let's say he's going to go play high stakes poker over in at the RER he's going to go here or he's going to be on another mm-hmm. show you would think they need to know though correct? I
2: definitely think it's a positive yeah
1: I, I definitely Cause they're going to take heat from people that mm-hmm. don't understand that culture or yes. or that concept and that tilts people
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's definitely good—a good, good thing—to let him know and educate him, and yeah. I think he'll realize that um, he'll be more. More players will be find him more enjoyable on the table, and they will not get right. offended when he does something like that and won't be taken the wrong way. Um, but I also think it's important um, for, uh, like, even people like myself to let you uh, let everybody know that as a Chinese player myself and having been in that environment, um, to l- educate everybody else in the U.S. that. Um, uh, poker players uh, that may take offense to that and let them know that it's 100% not directed uh, it, maliciously. And yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. almost like a, a child. It's like they don't understand it and it's that,
1: different that culture. Is, I'll tell you, that is the vibe that I get from Wes. He's well, almost mm-hmm. childlike.
0: Wesley, you're a child. Yeah. No, <laughs> not that he's child, but like you know. that's, that, it, that it's innocent,
1: but then I'm never it's, sure yeah, it's, if it is or, it's if, it's, or if he's crafty. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Or if he's just crafty. Cause that's, I don't,
0: that's next level. Acting, yeah. acting like I don't you don't have no idea. Yeah, and you're I just, getting away I never
1: could tell because he's, you know, whatever. But he does have a superpower, and his superpower is he doesn't care he doesn't care he does he not care, care. Mm-hmm. if you yeah. don't like it he does <laughs> yeah. not care if it's whatever so to his credit maybe it won't even matter if someone else cared for
2: sure yeah. no for sure for sure I think he should just do him and just as long as he knows those social things I think he'll be fine yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and
1: then to your to uh-huh. your point on the video that you're talking about so she's mentioning a, a video that I was in ludicrous and the title of it is I want to see that hand or his <laughs> hand okay. well the reason for and and I wound up apologizing to him because I misunderstood him but so Chris and I have like I think a really good dynamic I mean we troll each other uh, but but he is the one single person that I will say that it is absolutely um, harmless both ways I really like the dude a lot I never do it maliciously he goes after me the same way etc and then we were in a hand I don't even remember the hand other than they made the video and he was chirping on me like we do like during the hand and right during the (laughs) hand before something happened he goes I'm gonna I want to see your hand yeah. after this hands or I'm gonna ask for your hand and I know that I was the one shoving all in so I have to show my hand but he was doing that to me like right in the middle of the hand when we were thinking and playing right. and so the hand was over and I turned my hand over and I said I want to see his hand right yeah, yeah. you know because we were huh. like screwing around well he meant I don't know how he meant it or maybe he just in the middle decided he didn't want to play anymore like that game because uh-huh. he lost the hand <laughs> I uh-huh. don't know but he was like that's that's really bad Bad etiquette. That's that's just not right. That's bad etiquette. I said, dude, you were saying to me in the hand, we're gonna you're gonna see my hand no matter what. Well, I thought we were just screwing around. All right, I'm sorry. You know, so that's the one we saw because I, I bad etiquette Lee said, No, turn that hand over. He wants to see my hand. He's right. gonna turn it over no matter what. Let's go, let's see it. And so that's yeah. what she's referencing. But I, it is definitely bad form.
2: I think you guys have a pass on the behavior, the etiquette behavior, but I think it, it doesn't apply to you guys, you know. Like I've seen so much funny yeah. stuff. Like it's just Oh, it's hey, we're showing
1: it's, it's, he, we're throwing hands yeah. over to like Sweat. Sweat over here. Do this. Talk in the middle of the hand. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's
0: important to remember that high-stakes games are, have their own set of rules. And, like, the, the things you see at a 2-5 or a 5-10 game, I mean, it's totally different at a high-stakes game. And you can't <laughs> say shit. You just got to let things slide. And yeah, there's a lot of If goofiness. there's a dynamic. Yeah, especially, like, and and bending of some rules, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it's goofy. For sure. It's goofy.
0: For sure. So, For sure. Uh, so, speaking of not caring, you know, I've... I think at me as a fan of you and, and watching all the high stakes shows that you've been on, even before Hustler Live, you know, we all watched one of the biggest pots happen mm-hmm. on Hustler Live. And I think you know what I'm yeah. talking about. And, and Hustler tweeted, you know, one of the biggest pots and you retweeted. No, it's one of the biggest punts. <laughs> 414, over a $414,000 punt mm-hmm. right and yeah. it, it was a queen eight versus aces <laughs> yeah, he yeah. had the top of his range obviously yeah. but um i watched your video break it down but like before you talked to me about that hand which it was an amazing hand to watch and like holy shit like i can't imagine anyone else being able to mm-hmm. have the ability to try yeah. to do that uh-huh. um how much is too much like how much hurts
2: um well, before we get, I'll, be, I'll answer that question. But before, I just want to start off by saying that uh, that hand is Nick's fault. Mm. It's because the session before, <laughs> the session, be, the session right before that, there was a hand where M, uh, double M got involved with Nick and uh, double M folded Ace King suited when uh, uh, when he had Kings, right? And it, so, and it was like a five bet. Yeah.
0: And it, it was just an insane who has a five betting range. But anyway, yes. I was yeah.
2: inducing the same speech, but then I realized halfway through the hand I was not nick and this probably wasn't going to work. And I was probably going to have to put a really big river bet to get a fold. But yeah. I was inspired by his fold when Nick got on the fold 18 suited. So, it's Nick He fault. took some
1: information and <laughs>
2: yeah. miscalculated it. Yes. So, so let's talk about that. Like Veronica just said, 414
1: 700 dollar pot. It's mm-hmm. we're, you're playing 100 200 400 200 big blind ante and we of course we know the 800 was on. Etc. Right. Yeah. So you got Queen Eight offsuit in the hijack, mm-hmm. and you raise to a thousand bucks. Now MM uh, is in the big blind. He's obviously got pocket aces, and he threat three bets to thirty two hundred, and then uh, you re raise.
0: You four bet. Four
1: bet to twelve thousand, mm-hmm. and then right?
0: double M just completes He
1: flats. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on right at that point in your head? Does, uh, obviously, the non-five bet
2: put you, put you on jacks or lower probably in his range or maybe queens? Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the, the re-raise, again, with the queen-eight in position is, like, super questionable. Like, it's not a move that I make often. It was, mm-hmm. just, like, stri- just the start of the session, so I can't even blame it on tilt because, like, we just started the game. Um, I think a lot of it is just, like, the way I perceive M.M. is, like, he doesn't want to, like, be out of position in like a lot of very very deep stack situations and I wanted yeah. to set the tone early um, and basically uh, it's just a game dynamic thing you know yeah, I, think it's game I dynamic. play with these guys over and over and over again and it's like some days you get a good seat draw and like in that particular hand I had position on him and we were both sitting like 300k deep and I just wanted to set the tone for the start of the session to put some pressure uh, early on onto him if he had a marginal hand like ace jack suited ace 10 it's just like Let's put twelve thousand before the flop, and let's see if let's see if he wants to uh, how how he'll react to that. You know, and yeah. it's just not really based on my hand. It was just a terrible no, hand totally. To do it with. Just
1: obviously, uh-huh. you know that yeah. that's that's not optimal. For sure, but like you said, if you're setting the tone yeah. and and it's for a purpose like that, and and for you know setting the tone of the game, totally makes sense.
2: For sure, for yeah. sure. And I think people that watch uh, may not understand fully like the reason behind it and I don't even recommend they ever do anything like that just because like um like first of all like we're just so deep and and when the monetary amount like let's say like you're playing a 510 game and it's the same amount of big blinds deep but it's like the monetary value is way lower mm-hmm. like it just doesn't translate right no like you can play be playing 510 and someone has like 20,000 but it's like <clears throat> 20,000 to most people in the, in the California maybe just not as much as 300,000 and so like I think um I don't recommend anybody watching to ever, like I always tell people like in, in Taiwan, China, like please don't like take the streams that I play on and like use them for educational purposes, you know? Cause like it'll fail, you know? I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm genuinely
0: so. curious because I spoke to a few of my friends about your hand okay. and my friends play higher stakes, not as high as you, but, um, I don't know if it's just because you're playing so deep, but a lot of people said, you know, like a lot of people aren't playing five betting ranges. Like yeah. if he, like he's never five betting there, he's completing <clears throat> with a lot of his range. Like the, is, it, is it a thing, a five bet? I'm just curious.
2: Definitely, uh, definitely understand what you mean there. I think a lot of very good players will not have a five betting range preflop against other good players, competent players, because the reason is they just don't want you to ever know if they're capped. And I right. think by just cold flatting there, he still could have aces, right, and kings. And I think and it's so a very good And so many other hands. Mm-hmm.
0: Like you alluded to, he go to queens, jacks, ace, king, you know, a lot yeah. of a yeah. lot of other... He can
2: still have all the boards, even if it comes out it's like eight, nine, 10, right? He can still have the 10 jack suited sometimes by not five betting. But once he five bets out mm-hmm. of position, If it's he like,
0: five bets out of position, you fold.
2: Um, in that oh, in the in, in that particular yeah, hand, yeah. oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah, he played it really great. I think the flat was yeah. really key to the hand, and that's
1: the mistake I made against the hand in him. Even though you know he had position at the time, I had two choices that would have made sense. I should have flatted instead of five betting, or mm-hmm. if I was going to do something, maybe shove. Not not put in that bet I put I because it screamed. Yeah, five
0: betting yeah. is basically you're five betting with what kings aces. You particular, you're five betting with kings and aces. But you're I not also, five betting with an ace king.
1: Yeah, and. Well, that, yeah, and, and against MM, you know, whether, you know, he went on, he went on the rant on me about, about, you know, not playing hands and all that shit in the VPIT, but the fact of the matter is, MM, double M, plays pretty snug game himself in your game, and, and he is, he's pretty snug compared, compared to the rest of the table, and I know that, and I know he knows with me, so my thought process was... Um, which I should have just shoved is just to get it in with him and not even play post flop because I wasn't even close to as deep as him either. Yep. So there wasn't mm-hmm. much I could really do with that hand. But mm-hmm. flatting would have got me, would have had me. Pro- depending on what comes in the flop, Ace comes, you know. But generally speaking, I'm probably going to double through, or uh, he's going to miss the flop completely and it's going nowhere. So I probably should have shoved there mm-hmm. and not screamed as much strength. <laughs> but um, but the bottom line is, yeah, he did play it. He did play Andy, it. And
0: he tell him the yeah. truth. He should have just called the. Bet. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> no, no you said, I said you said all in.
1: I said I had two choices. Yeah. It so was flat. Uh-huh. Hold on, or it was go all in, not just make a bet where it effectively put me all in. Yeah. I want.
0: I want to hear. The, like the it was just the sickest hand. So we need to go through the whole right. thing. So yeah. the the flop is 8 eight seven, and he basically check calls you throughout the whole thing. Yep. And the river i mean we can if you want to go through the sure. flop and
2: i mean like i can basically just simplify it it's like not even that complex of a hand it's more just like i put him on a certain range of hands which is like some over pairs and some like broadway cars that may contain diamonds mm-hmm. and when the turn came a diamond he was able to continue i thought that when the diamond broke out and there was no one-liner straight on the river there were still hands that get to the river that can fold to a giant river bet that had showdown value that would just want to pray that I check back and I just didn't want to give him the check back and let him show it down. And so that went for it. And I think it was just honestly just a really good slow play by him. and just I just out- underestimated that he would be able to do that in that spot. Um, and I think that's really the, the key in the hand was that, that, that flat preflop that really got me. Um, and throughout the turn and the river it's more just like me finding excuses to like not give up you know me putting him on hands that i'm still ahead of that may want to continue on the flop okay now he's on the turn okay well what hands can he like maybe call the turn that i'm that i can get him off or might call the turn and then fold the river it was just like one of the spots where it's like i put a lot of money in there and i'm like not afraid to admit that like I didn't want to give up on the hand, you know. But we like, all love that about you.
0: That's why we yeah. love watching you, and that's why right. you're such a dangerous opponent. I, I
1: would assume um, that when the five of hearts hit the river, if a if a card like that hits, which is a complete blank mm-hmm. for for that hand in his mm-hmm. range, you probably already had it in your head. You were you were putting in a big bet.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think certain. Ca- I, I had in my mind that certain cards I was going to not bet, and then I probably would have saved me 150k yeah. on the river. Right. And there's some cards that I would just definitely fire more on. You know, and, right. It's just it's so interesting when you talk about variance in those big pots like just the runouts too you know and yeah. it's not even just the runouts but it's the variance of the state of mind someone's in too like if M.M. just was like crushing maybe this hand happened after he like hit the set of kings against the aces right yeah. like Jr. like maybe he was in a different mindset or maybe he like he's going on a big trip tomorrow he doesn't want to have a big loss and I put in you just you never know right it's the variance of all that's these the, things that's the beauty I, of that part of the game I yeah. just
0: want to ask on the river because you did have showdown value you had an 8 mm-hmm. why didn't you check Back.
2: I just thought that I was losing too much and I think that my hand the eight is just worthless. I don't think it's uh worth I just didn't even consider that as a, a value. Probably
1: you mm-hmm. maybe thought possibly that you were gonna be looking at a hand like Jack's and the only way you can win that hand.
0: Well yeah, I mean like obviously part of his range is beating him, but I was just I was just curious. You you thought mm-hmm. you could get maybe most of his range to fold there or?
2: I thought I can get a lot of the range, the one pair, all the one pairs that weren't Kings and Aces. I thought he would be very, very put basically like a coin flip or maybe like a 60%, maybe folding, you know, I wasn't sure, but I, I just, I kind of went for it. And I just think that um, like the part that I think didn't make sense when I went back and look at it, the part that hurts me more is more, I don't think I like, I was being, I was able to really credibly represent that many hands myself. You know, I think from his perspective, like he's losing to like, Okay, some of the occasional uh, pocket 10s or pocket 8s, whatever, that I re-race pre-flop. But other than that, like, he's using the jack-nine, which is, like, quite improbable. And then he's using the kings and aces. Oh, he's If I'm putting him on jacks or queens, right? I'm assigning him that range. He's Mm -hmm. using the kings and aces. But it's like, will I ever really put that massive of, of a value bet on the river if it looks like I'm trying to get him to fold? It was just like, I don't know, like, I think... In these situations, in the moment, it's hard to put yourself in his shoes and be like, is the range I'm representing credible for the amount that yeah. I'm putting out? And that's really the, the key to bluffing, I think, is, is all that. It's understanding how your opponent's views, uh, the sizing that you're using, and the board, and all that stuff, you know?
1: It's, that's the beautiful part of the game is there's so many micro components to what you just said. And let's face it, uh, if MM had jacks, <clears throat> and at some point in this hand, he did fold, you're a genius, for sure, and that's for how sure. poker goes, right? You're either a genius or you're a donkey. Regardless, and you're neither actually. Even if you made a, a bet like that and you lose, you're not. A, it's but yeah. that's just the way poker is, and it's just like it's just a game of just absolute micro. Uh,
2: absolutely, inches. and Nick, you know, I want to add one thing about this hand is that um, this hand, and as well as many big hands that I play with a lot of those players, a big factor now that must be taken into consideration is like all that stuff I just mentioned about. Like understanding what how he view how he's gonna view this, like right. if you can represent certain all that stuff, right? Being able to process all that in thirty seconds and not have to use a time timeship oh, is yeah. like really difficult sometimes it's hard. You know? Especially when the pocket's big and like you just need to figure out on the spot, like, okay, if I do this, like how's he gonna interpret it? Like and I think that challenge of um having five timeships like really adds a lot of pressure and um makes people prone prone to big mistakes in the, right. the moment. Um, but I, but at the same time, I love the time shifts. I think that was one of the greatest moves for cash game poker for live streams. Right. It makes it more enjoyable for the players. Right. It makes it more enjoyable for the viewers. It's just all around, you know. But I do have to add that that is a huge factor. In, it's huge, and yeah. the, the time pressure. Yeah, there's a
1: lot mm-hmm. of time pressure, and you know, a lot of people watching that haven't been in that position, in that position with that amount of money relative to whatever their bankroll is. It's hard to process that that quick. And like you said, it's like, man, is MM, where's he at? Is uh-huh. he wanting to lock up a win? Is, right. he, is he stuck? And does he seem like he'll be doing some, some things he shouldn't do? Is this happening, what? And so there's so much of that. And like you said, and just is exactly what you said, I'm just putting it to, back together is, is just putting that all together and then making the optimal decision. It's so tough. I mean, to, to Wes's point, poker is not easy.
2: For sure. And the time chips even add an uh, extra element of the psychology in the game. It's like you right. know that someone's like running out and he doesn't want to use the time chips because there's like four And he, four he used, hours used left. a time
0: chip to call, right? Yeah. yeah. That was sick. Because uh-huh. you were thinking potentially he, you got a fold out of him. But then mm-hmm. you were fumbling your chips. You made a comment about fumbling your chips.
2: Yeah. Like I, a lot of people like... Uh, obviously like that situation, <laughs> I always joke like it, it, it's not going to help my situation, right? It definitely right. makes it me look a lot more nervous. Um, I think like... The chips are definitely very, very slippery at Hustler, like the $100 chips. Like I try to stack them, you know, and it's like just I can get maybe 30 high. It was like the worst timing to
1: drop a stack,
0: too.
2: You can't do your old thing you used to do at the other play. Yeah, their chips won't stack. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like, oh, yeah, like I'm not nervous. Like, of course, like I am like hoping that he folds and like, you know, it's not sitting well that I'm putting 150K out there and he's used two time chips. You're uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. But um, the slips are very slippery, and like I, I was just knocking him over and just trying to, trying <laughs> to make him look like as neat and as, as under control as possible, so he would not pick <laughs> up anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I get it. But I don't think he was reading into that. I think he was just uh, processing the. He wanted to way throw up, up when you bet one hundred fifty thousand, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: regardless of what he he had aces. He, you could mm-hmm. look on his face. He, I, he. I'm shocked he didn't
2: use two time chips, go in the bathroom, throw up, come back and make a decision because it wasn't an
1: easy one for him, that's for
2: sure. It definitely wasn't easy for me to decide either where to, to put in the third one because I used a couple time chips as well to, to make the decision and I just thought, yeah. I think this is the right move. And I, actually, I was actually, I remember being uh, in real time, I was actually quite confident. I thought that uh, this was going to get through. I thought this was the right mm-hmm. amount the overbet, and I thought um, a lot of the times I thought this was. So do
1: I was you actually, think mm-hmm. using two or three times? it's just, I don't know if this is, I just thought of it. Do you think using two or three time chips works, could work for you, against you? Like sometimes they say that players that are getting ready to put an astronomical amount of money in a pot as a bluff mm-hmm. are working up the courage. Now, I know you weren't doing that because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know you're capable of putting mm-hmm. in 150000 but I'm saying, do you think that ever would cross someone's mind that like a player is trying to work up the courage to put in uh, a big bluff
2: um I think sometimes but I, th- I think for the most part like the players uh, that play the Friday games that have uh, played in that environment I don't think they put too much emphasis okay. on, on subtleties like that yeah I, th- I definitely think that it will play a factor with some players but mm-hmm. I think if you put focus too much energy on the live part it can drain you out very easily and a lot of them can be misleading because um, players are playing on stream they're very aware of these physical things so they may do reverse things Mm -hmm. so for me personally i try not to focus on that too much um the reason i
1: ask you that Mm -hmm. too is because back in the day when i was totally wrecking it up i had businesses and i would play with you guys when i was the mark at the other place (laughs) um (laughs) we laugh because it's true but um one of my biggest leaks among many was if i had it bet faster if I didn't I was working up the courage that was me Mm. and I figured that out on my own studying tape and I had someone mention it to me and I'm like oh my god that is like so obvious but when you're a new player or you're a rec player and you're not like thinking of timing and sizing everything else like to a pro sitting there or someone that's really paying attention to that stuff sometimes like, it's really easy to pluck some people off right. because they keep doing the same things. No, and that was sure. one of the things that I was doing.
2: It's funny that you mentioned that, Nick, because uh, I just added a funny little story. Like, Ronica, when I met Nick for the first time, like, at the at the commerce, can I say that? The yeah, commerce? of course. Okay. You can say <laughs> commerce, <laughs> bike, say anything We you talk want. about live <laughs> with the bike. We talk yeah. about everything. Okay, yeah. so no filters. Yeah. Uh, no. So when I met uh, Nick the first time at the commerce, this was, like, 20 years ago or something, right? Yeah. Like, uh, we used to play, like, 1020 together. And, like, the first time I saw Nick, like, he would just, like again i think you would like like to sit in c5 a lot too yeah because i could just see everything <laughs> yeah because yeah. he's an and old like,
0: blind man yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and like you you mentioned how like you like to like you would bet fast whatever but like that's yeah. like the thing i remember about him that would piss me off like he would just i would get involved with hands with nick and my impression of him was like i would get involved with hands with I like whether i would bet and he would call fast or like i would check and he would bet fast like he would just kept flicking in these white chips and I, in my mind, I was just like, what the fuck does this guy I think he is? Like, <laughs> he's like, he has too his mouth, and he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> he's and you would like, it would just seem like you would just like not even think about your decision. Yeah, That's right. what.
1: I was just fast playing. I just
2: like didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, like, you, wait, you just always have it. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. like, check, you just, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That. You just, that, Yeah, yeah. And like, it's just funny how like things broke out years later. Like, you know.
1: Tell me if you <laughs> remember this. And I, and I used to see Art doing this too, but, but you used to do this too. First of all, you think when he first got at the bike, he wasn't a talk and that's why he was the side on Assassin. When he was at the Commerce, yeah. there was nothing. There was yeah. no chatter at There's all. No chatter. And this is how I remember it. The mm-hmm. opposite of me. You were like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. And I'm thinking, what in the fuck is he doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously, that's annoying. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you no, remember that? I, I do remember but that. But now you bet faster and more, you splash. I, but then you yeah. were like mm-hmm. trying to have the disguise, same motion the,
2: yeah exactly i think the reasoning for that is because that era was uh first of all like i think that strategy and that those physical things were way more important in those games because there were so many players doing that yeah. and if you were not um conforming and doing that as well you were just giving too much away like you know like talking yeah. about like cyan assassin like there would be there would be times where i'm playing at the commerce there and like literally like just the entire session maybe like There's just nobody really says anything, you know, it's just quiet. Yeah, it's just horrible. It was a very cutthroat, predatory environment. That's how it was in a lot of places back then. Right. And so a lot of those physical things were born from that environment because nobody wanted anything away. I mean, I remember like when I was back playing those games, there was Chinese players speaking in Mandarin. And like my Mandarin was way more like worse back then. Like I didn't really like when I went back to Taiwan, I was able to like that part of my brain turned on. I was able to speak a lot more. But like I understood everything that they would say, but I would pretend that i didn't know what was going on just because like i didn't even want to let people know that i was chinese because it was that cutthroat, you know? Like, on my competition back then, nobody wanted to give anything away. I would just pretend like I didn't understand what they were saying, but I was listening to every word. Yeah. You know? And yeah. he's an affirmation, and that was just the kind of poker environment yeah. that it was. It was
1: cutthroat, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I'm just there trying to have fun, eating a chicken bowl, <laughs> yeah. sitting in seat five, and everyone's just sitting there, like, Why What grinding. do you think the games were there every five? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know, as soon as I would leave, the whole casino went, like, empty. It was crazy. <clears throat> the format we would get the text from the format. hey, <laughs> hey Nick's here. Nick's here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I'm
0: curious, because that hand, that hand, is so intriguing to me and i, I think it is for most viewers mm-hmm. i'm curious like the adjustment you make when you when you get caught in mm-hmm. such a big bluff yeah um is, like is it hard to do the next bluff another huge 400 that well i mean the, oh, the whole pot was four hundred thousand. Yeah, but is it going to be difficult or or do you just learn from it
2: both uh in in real time during that session definitely is very very difficult to uh try another bluff and it's also you also get paranoid and think that um you're getting bluffed or you're just you basically uh your your mental game is definitely gonna suffer it suffers in, in, in that game i'm not i'm not gonna pretend like uh I'm, I'm a machine and just like can play optimally after that after such a big uh failure in and in a bluff big bluff like that um however i think there's so much to learn be learned from that you know i think like just Anytime you either call incorrectly in a big pot or you bluff incorrectly and get called like there's just so much a wealth of information I think that's the great part about these live streams that you get to see everybody's cards. Everybody has it's like open source Everybody has the this open source information to go back as long as they're willing to put in the time to improve uh, from their own mistakes and to learn from their opponents Opponents mistakes too and it's just I think that's still great for poker I I used to be in the train of um, the school of thought where I thought that like More information is bad for poker like like i'm not saying that like i think it's good to talk about strategy i i agree that like that's not the best optimal um approach you know but i do believe that like poker moving forward in general whether that's live streams all the information being readily available training sites gto stuff i'm not against any of that stuff like i Mm -hmm. think players that complain about that stuff is like in denial you know i think this stuff is inevitable, right? Like you can't right. blame people from trying to monetize something that's like just inevitable. Like this is the growth, the natural progression of the game. And in order to uh, grow with it, you just have to evolve with it. And it's- yeah, yeah, I agree. The I game agree with you. and well technology. <clears throat> yeah. That's
0: really yeah. well
1: said. I agree, I agree. for yeah. sure.
0: Now, I was I was gonna like continue on with Andy. Like I'm, j- I'm just curious, it, with that kind of big bluff, if you're saying it's it, it, it affects you, do you have like a mental coach or do you have a coach that you lean on to review things with?
2: I don't have a mental coach for poker. I don't have any coach. I never had any poker coach ever. It's everything is self-learned. But I do have about, I do have about three people in my life that I trust with my life. Like trust with any, just anything, any problems I'm going with and I includes poker. Mm-hmm. And so there's like three people that I will call usually. Um after like a bad day or like just going through a bad stretch and they just I just talking to them makes me feel better immediately you know and uh, I think it's really important Mm as a poker player whether no matter what stakes you know it's all relative uh, to have those important people and like even if they don't even understand poker but they understand hardship and they've been there for you in the past (laughs) like that's just so key you know is like it's so hard to like uh, navigate through the variants of poker if you don't have a support system you know and it just, there's just nobody they can talk to. Like, I just think it's absolutely essential. So, I, so.
1: I have a question for you, and just curious because everyone's wired different. When you have a session where you lose an uncomfortable amount, yeah. whatever that amount is, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> and maybe made a bad decision or didn't, and you're just, you have a really bad session. Mm-hmm. Is the pain for you, the emotional, mental pain for you, worse from the time it happens in the next few hours as you're playing? Or is it worse for you the next day when you open your eyes?
2: I think it's after I play, I think I feel a little bit better the next day. I mean, I go through the whole cycle, you know, like what the, uh, the anger, the sadness, and then, yeah. you know, I, I do the whole cycle, you know, like I feel, I definitely feel much better after a couple of days. And that includes, like I've mentioned, talking with, um, my really close friends, you know, just like kind of venting it out a little bit, the frustration, and then also just doing like, um, physical things, you know, I think I'm a very big believer in like, uh, the whole talk about like just doing something physical to change the mental it's all connected and so i will do like uh, a workout like a a a very intense one and i think it's just the endorphins like plus with venting and i think like like bronca you mentioned earlier about the pain of it and and hurt and things like that how much is too much like honestly for me i'm 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 okay with taking the loss as long as i know there was something to be gained and that's the mindset i have now is like like bring it on because like for me the way i see myself is like i'm the product of like two decades of failure in poker you know what i mean like i'm here today because i've lost again and again and again and been kicked down and lost just going home just with my head down the next day just getting up and going back to play just like what are you gonna do are you gonna complain about it or are you gonna go in there and just put your hours in and i just put my yeah, hours just in battle yeah you know, and just do it like there's just, there's, no, there's nothing you can do about it you know and you just gotta accept it and that's The reason why I am the way where I am
1: today—that's where you are because you. Sorry, Vron, I'm apologize, but you do know. And just to your point, a lot of players don't make it to your level because they can't sustain that pain.
2: Right.
0: Um, What's what's been your longest losing streak? Because I know a lot of players go through that, and they think that they're alone when they're going through it.
2: I think uh, a few years ago, I had one where it was like at least like three and a half months, I think, where I just could not win. And I'm talking about I was playing every day, too. Like, I would have small wins, but every time that I would get something back, like a small win, I would just get kicked in the face again next day. Yeah. Lose it all back plus 3x. And it just kept happening. And then it was during a very dark time in my life where, like, um, like uh, Mike, the girlfriend that I was with at the time also left me. And uh, just, wow. like, it I really with, put me in I a... I was with you at that time. We talked often tough. about that. You remember? Yeah, it put me in a really, really uh, bad mental state because it was affecting my game. My personal life was falling apart and <laughs> it was just like everything I was considering just like giving up, you know? And but I, I just pushed through it and I just I just I don't know. I just uh I guess for me like my biggest strength is just my determination is like if you beat me in a pot, like enjoy the money because I'm gonna dissect the shit out of like the hand and I'm just gonna come back and just adjust. You know? Like I yeah. paid for my tuition and I'm just if you think that like you're gonna defeat me by like, you know, mentally is never gonna happen. I'm just always gonna come back, you know? I think there's a and good so, amount
0: of people who will hit hardships and be broken by them and move yeah. on to something else. And then the people who succeed are not broken, are, are relentless, like you sound very sure. relentless. Like, okay, you beat me, you beat me for three months, but yeah. I'm coming back stronger and I'm gonna get it back.
2: I think it's a necessary trait as a, a poker player in general, um, is to have that trait. But I also think it can be a double-edged sword if, um, if you take that too far, where it's pouring into your personal life and it's ruining relationships and things like that. So I think there's a balance there. For me, luckily, um, I, I am single and that uh, I don't have responsibilities. I think that's a huge edge for me um, just in general because I don't have a family that I, ha- I need to feed and things like that. So it's all on me. And so like when I put money on the table, I take full responsibility you know, for all the decisions. And there's none of that noise in the back of my head. And I think that um, as a high stakes poker player, that definitely serves me well and in, in in yeah I can
0: remember. i ask you since you mentioned relationships and you don't have to yeah. talk about this if you don't want to but has poker ever caused problems in a relationship like i'm not assuming that that one relationship uh, ended because of poker but mm-hmm. has it ever done that
2: absolutely i think uh that one relationship that we're talking about it had a big impact on it and that was one of the mm-hmm. reasons why is that she didn't want to stick around and see me like a, a total mess every time and just not in the mood to like i think she deserved she felt like she deserved better and you know whether or not she left like that's a whole nerd, like whether that the morality or you know you can talk about that as a different subject uh, i don't want to go into that but i think that i was of course heartbroken by the fact that she left me during that moment but mm-hmm. it also when i pushed through it i became so much stronger because i didn't rely on that wasn't um the relationship no longer became um like a crutch for me i yeah. just like i knew that i can only rely on myself i, wo- I woke up and realized like you know what I'm just gonna. It's fine, you know. Let's move on. Let's do this, yeah. you know. And I was able to pick up yeah. the pieces.
1: Like I said, I remember specifically we had a two or three yeah. long, long
2: talks. That was that. That was painful for you, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I remember reaching out to a lot of people that um, that I knew that had gone through hardships, and Nick was definitely one of those people. Uh, since then, we played at the bike a lot, and like uh, we had some conversations, and um, yeah, I just wanted to get the opinions of people that I knew that had gone through things like that before. And, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well Definitely you did a helps. good job. You did a good sure. job, you got Thank through
1: you. it, and, and you're a beast, in, and I mean that, in the poker industry, everyone knows you around the world that watches poker, and <clears throat> if it's okay, I'd actually like to ask you this question. Um, you have
2: been back here how long playing? uh since uh since i came back recently you mean? Yeah. Oh, it's been only like a month, a month and a half maybe. Now,
1: since no, you've been know. only playing a month, mm-hmm. do you feel you're at your top of your game? Do you feel rusty? Do you feel like some of the decisions you've made is from not having enough felt time and that, you know, we all know if you if you have a lot more time on the felt, you're just you 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 almost start of course, you go through bad things, good things, and you have all these emotional rides, but you you, you kind of can feel the road as you're riding the longer you're doing it and the more you're doing it. You almost have a sense of some things that are happening. But when you stop playing or, you know, you take a break, sometimes, like, you got to wear in the tires again, right? So, yes. so how do you feel about that? Like, do you think, where do you think you're at?
2: I definitely feel, when I first came back, I definitely felt a little bit rusty. Um, but I think that... Like, I, I know there was a lot of people that were commenting about that and saying that Andy's like not the same or things like that. Like, I didn't read any of that. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I've gotten a lot of criticism about things like that. Um, even like people reaching out to me and being like, Are you okay? <laughs> like, maybe you should just, you know, I, I think like that's normal. I think I, I was away from high stakes poker for a while. And I think, um, but again, at the same time, I think it's like it is like riding a bike because like after a few orbits, like my mentally, like I was, I felt like I was, um, Prepare it again mentally, you know, with the stakes and the money and things like that and the numbness from it. Like, it didn't take too long. But I do think, technically, um, you know, it's going to, it will take, uh, it's a gradual process to get back right back in the groove. And, Right now I'm like right in the middle of getting back into the groove and like doing things like that, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now not nemesis, <clears throat> we won't use
1: that word, but who do you feel when you're playing in the higher stakes games or the tougher games, who are the people that you feel are the biggest challenge for you to play against?
2: And you, and you don't have to have any, but if you have you know, any, who are they? It, every game that I play in, whether it's on the Hustler or the bike or like off-stream games, like it's, it changes every every time I play. Yeah. There's some days where like some guy that I I, I know he's like, you know, a very strong player, uh, he's just off that day and, you know, there's not vice in the zone. versa. Do you, some, do you
0: pounce <clears throat> when they're off?
2: I do, I do. I think it's, I think it's, it's um, you know, definitely very exploitative in, in the high stakes game still and a lot of the edge comes from uh, who's off that day, who's, who's frustrated, who's impatient and the edges technically are, are um, the, the technical part of the game, the edges are diminishing rapidly you know, because of the information mm-hmm. readily available, and everybody's able to improve their game very quickly and learn from their opponents. And so, um, if that part is like becoming equilibrium, then uh, the biggest edges comes from like the players that are losing and impatient and enforcing it. And you want to be that guy that's like not giving that away, right? So I think, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: because like you're mentioning, and again redundantly, you know the the fundamentals of the game are getting harder to... Like, everyone is just studying, right? That really yes. plays a lot. Yes. And so there's, like, again, only you said it, but the edge is, is so thin sometimes. But the mental game, which I've noticed in players, yeah. can be like this. Yeah. And this is where this is where the, the equity is here, the ROI yes. is here. And that's exactly what yes. you said. So again, yeah. it's not like I'm just trying to take your idea, but mm-hmm. I know that. Sure. And that's the thing where it's like, man, if someone is just about to go to the poker hospital and they're playing on a really tough bankroll, or you could tell their are whatever, that, I hate to put it this way, but we're there to win. And that's the time where you know you can exploit that situation, or sure. you know this is a time to do this, or against this guy, don't run a bluff today Mm -hmm. because I don't care what he has. He's probably just going to put it in. And so that's where the ROI is now in the game.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, very well said. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure.
1: What else you got there, Trixie?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Trixie. (laughs) He comes up with these terrible names for me. Uh, So I thought you would be out there playing high stakes. You didn't play high stakes?
2: Oh, in Asia? No, because... um, like I said, the legality of it is not there yet. It's very—it's a challenge uh, for for cash games, you know, but um
0: so it's just you were so i misunderstood you were playing tournaments while you were there yeah
2: i was doing some collaborations with card rooms uh doing some promotions and doing stuff doing some stuff with gg doing some content um but no like high stakes cash games no Uh, no it's it's just it's not there they don't have high stakes cash games they do have lower stakes but it's the legality of the problem for me Mm -hmm. is
0: it a, a thing where people from china go to another country to play high stakes
2: um, some will, some will. Yes, they will go to other parts of Asia. I know about the Philippines, Korea, things like that. But high stakes in general um, is cash games is, is just a, a legal problem in Asia in general. Like I don't, that mm. that's not going away anytime soon. I think, and so a lot of them are underground, and I, I don't touch that. I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not good for my brand, and it's just not worth the risk. And I just stay away from that. Everything I do is just like you know above board, is clean. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, cool. GG Poker uh, is is trying to get into the Chinese market, right?
2: Yes, yes. And it's growing very fast. Um, I think, like, it's just... It's, it's crazy like the enthusiasm Chinese players have for poker like it's just that's why I mentioned about like the talking about hands it's just like they're just so excited about talking strategy I it's love like, that when we were playing it, when we first started right yeah just yeah want, all you want to do is talk about poker and strategy right? oh yeah and, and <laughs>
0: strategy I mean when I first started uh, strategy was so bad mm-hmm. <laughs> but all that's all I wanted to do was talk strat
2: yeah like if I post like a, a one of these um, you know Hustler videos or any video hand I was in like on a Chinese platform <laughs> social media site literally all the comments is just like debate. On the strategy, it's like a, it's like two plus two. It's just everybody's yeah. talking about like how it should have been played, and <laughs> it's just it's great to see because it's like okay, it's like you know they're so enthusiastic about do it. Do they
0: have their own two plus uh-huh. two type of site for poker?
2: Um, they don't have. I don't. I don't know if they have like a. I'm sure they might have like discussion boards, like poker mm-hmm. discussion boards, but I don't think it's that widespread yet, like two plus two. But I know they But they do have like uh, Chinese YouTube and things like that, and Chinese Twitter, and um, you know, poker is discussed. You know, do they their- do
0: vlogging like they do here?
2: uh i know i know i know personally some um chinese people that do that but it's uh hasn't grown to the extent that it is it has here yet i think there's still a long ways to go and there's so much room for poker to grow like whether it's vlogging you know like forums like that uh training sites and that's the reason why i want to be a part of it is because i see the potential there you know like i just when i saw that potential like i have to be a part of it you know and that's what is.
1: what is what is uh Andy's what do you think your next 10 15 years look like do you want do you want a wife kids do you want to wind up uh in a big poker business in Taiwan what's your what where are you what's your trajectory taking you where do you want to be
2: I think high stakes poker will eventually take a back seat, you know for me I think uh, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know I'm obviously I'm not spring chicken anymore <laughs> and I think you know I'm turning 40 next year and I believe that my time
0: he's so old right <laughs> no, I mean I can I you need a like, nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um,
2: I guess compared to the the, the, the up and coming high stakes players like I see a lot of talent there and um, like compared to them like I'm more up there and so I feel like my time in the next decade, I feel I'll feel better about it if I'll be using that time uh, with less time at the tables and developing um, businesses and other things, other avenues that I like to be involved in. I think some of those will be poker. Mm-hmm. I'll, I don't, I don't think poker will ever be uh, not a part of my life. It's been so such a part of my big part of my life yeah. already. It's You'll in your DNA. Be, I'll always be playing here and there, but I, I would like. I think the dream for me would be to be able to take a backseat, focusing on other developing other interests and in, um, businesses, using the money that I've earned from poker and putting those into those businesses and trying to succeed in other avenues. And able. I think the biggest thing for me is being able to travel more. Like I think because I spend so much time uh, on the poker tables for the last two decades, I feel like I've missed out. It's almost like a midlife crisis thing. Like, I need to travel. Like, I that's the only thing I care about right now is spending yeah. money on experiences. I don't care. I need a travel vlog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's actually what my vlog was like supposed to start off as. It was not a poker thing. Like, I just wanted to vlog my life in general. It was just poker as part of my life. And then I knew most of the fans wanted to see poker stuff. But like, I just want to see the world. I just want to like, yeah, experience different cultures, foods, and being able to say that I've been there and tried it. and. I think when I look when I look back when I'm older is that's gonna make me feel the ultimate satisfaction is not how much money I was able to make from poker because one thing that I really hit me these last uh, couple of years is like I try to think to myself like if I wake up tomorrow and I'm 50 years old like let's say I make a deal with God and he says okay you can have any amount in the world that you think is a lot to you like whatever that number is X let's say it's X right like you can have that tomorrow but you'll be 50 like would you take that deal like tomorrow and the answer is a Absolute 100% no. Hell no. Like, there's no way I Mm. would take that amount of money because I, I value my time more. And I think that's the biggest realization for me is like, do I really want to spend that all at the tables for the next 10 years? I know that I want poker to be a part of my life, but, you know... Is there other things I don't want to experience? And the answer is yes. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. that is. You gave me the chills because it's yeah. such a true statement. And obviously, I was playing uh, at the bike years ago. And I do not remember who this player was. It was a gal. And she was in her 20s playing in one of our games. And I forget how the conversation came up. And I don't even remember w- how it got directed. But I remember saying this to her. And <clears throat> I said this to other people. Um, because she was trying to, she was talking about net worths or different things or money. And I said, I'll tell you what I said, I would right now. And I, I don't know how many years ago that was. So I was probably 50, you know? And I said, I would give you everything. Literally.
2: Yeah.
1: You could have every dime I own, every equity, every property. And it's, it's not a bad amount. Okay. (laughs) And if I could have your age, uh, And, but I need to be your age with what I know. Right. Oh my God. If you can give me your age and just what I know, mm-hmm. book it. Yeah. Where do I wire the money? Because you can't get back time. You can't. It's the most valuable asset. So for you to have that balance mm-hmm. and to understand that and to know how important that is to you and that you're going to go after that and, and semi-shelf something you really love, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, in the process. Because you have to. You can't be both. Yeah. Um, it's, that's pretty aware
2: for sure and i think i'm i'm really glad that you that you share that that feeling cuz like honestly that's the biggest thing that hit me uh, recently that's never hit me before in the 20 years i played like i never even thought about that like i would just play poker and that's like i was satisfied that's all i wanted was success yep and now it's just like that's all i think about is just wanting to do different things and it's just creeping up on me very fast and i i know that i just i absolutely want to continue help growing poker and be part of poker i just think that the time spent at the table can definitely be spent doing a lot of other things that I want the challenge of. Like, I want to seek out the challenge of doing something that I don't have no idea about how to do it and go do that process. Like, I've done that with poker already and it's beautiful. Like, I would not trade it for the world. So you enjoyed the journey of everything you learned. Yes, all the failures. Like, I embrace it now, you know, it's like, and I want to do that with something else now, whether it's a Mm -hmm. poker business or Mm -hmm. um, a completely different business, you know, like, I'm looking into different businesses in Asia, like, whether it's, uh, right now I'm looking at things with like um, with pets because I would like to promote something that is loved by everyone like a market that is uncapped you know and so I'm looking at things in the pet market you know and pet products and pet services because that market is huge also in Asia who doesn't love pets right mm-hmm. and creating content for that and so um, in the future that's that's a very big possibility that I'm gonna be looking at you know and um, you know just different avenues in general
1: mm-hmm
0: so uh, what's the first place you want to travel to you said you want to do some traveling
2: I think for me like it depends on if it's like a vacation or if it's like travel for the seek uh, for the sake of um, immersing myself in the culture like if it's like for the vacation like it was res- like more like a resort type definitely like Thailand you know' mm-hmm. it's number one one of the places I'm definitely snapped going there you know and then if it's for like um, immersing myself in the culture I would love to ex- explore more of Europe I think I think it's such a In my mind, it's such a mystical, mysterious place that I have not, I just don't even know anything about, you know, I've been to the Czech Republic and I've been to Austria, Vienna and, you know, but I was unappreciative. I wasn't at that point in my life when I visited, like I am now with this mindset. And so I went there almost like not even knowing anything. I just have pictures that don't mean anything now when I look back at it, right? There's doesn't mean anything. But now if I go there, I can go there with a different um, lens and really appreciate that. And I really like to explore Europe. Mm-hmm. That's cool.
0: One of the best trips I ever took, I rented a car, I landed in Barcelona, rented a car, Mini Cooper, red mm. Mini Cooper, <laughs> drove down the coast of southern France okay. and Monaco and through Italy all the mm. way to Rome and back. Wow and immersing yourself in a culture like you stop in a small town that's not on a map yeah and you go inside a restaurant and you don't understand anything and you there's a family cooking and you point at something you don't know what you're <laughs> getting yeah and then you know now we have google translate yeah, yeah, back yeah, in yeah, my yeah. day yeah <laughs> yeah uh but yeah i would i would highly recommend totally. immersing yourself amazing. and then running into the ocean naked you know just <laughs> Immersing yourself with the fish. <laughs> make sure
1: it's at night. If it's it's at night, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Don't get too excited,
2: guys. Oh no, <laughs> my gosh. No, please make sure it's at night.
1: Yeah. Um the thing I wanted to ask you that's like means nothing. It's such a segue into nothing. You mentioned uh eating there and you mentioned the uh, street food. Yeah now obviously the food's different there than here mm-hmm. and so just for fun is there anything in the states here that you could say was there like whoa we would never eat or the weirdest thing that they were serving
2: um i mean it's crazy because like la has we're in la and it's like it has all the different uh cultures and cuisines already so it's like there's not anything there that they don't have here like okay. they've already there's already like a bunch of taiwanese and chinese restaurants that serve but what it.
0: have we destroyed by americanizing it
2: I mean, Everything. like, Panda Express is just like, I mean, Terrible. it's just, I, I just can't believe, like, people still think that that's Chinese food, you know? Yeah. Even PF Chang's, like, anything that's like, just like any of those kind of it's that's not Chinese food at all, you know? Like, uh, definitely, um, <laughs> if you guys live in here in LA, like, there's, if you ever go to San Gabriel Valley or like uh, Roland Heights, Diamond Bar, like, and you go on Yelp, you know, and you want to try authentic. Chinese cuisine. I definitely recommend you go on Yelp and look at those reviews in those areas.
0: I did and a student exchange in Japan, okay. and we went to Tokyo Chinatown. Okay. And I remember, like, oh, I was thinking Panda Express is coming my way, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is Chinese food, and there, yeah. it was like a really nice Chinese restaurant. Did you get yeah, the orange sure. chicken? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know is that, that was what made. You got? That was made in L.A., right? They invented that in L.A. I love I got or, the orange <laughs> chicken.
2: I love orange chicken. Though. I actually love Panda. Like, I still <laughs> love Panda Express. I was craving it when I was in Taiwan. <laughs> I do was like it's like
0: fettuccine alfredo is not <laughs> yeah. italian it's like you know? I was going to say if
1: you're italian that's like going to the olive garden you know it's just yeah. like oh my god but they say
2: the breadsticks are good so people go <laughs> yeah it's nice yeah. you just want taco bell you know you just Little no, Caesars yeah. has it just, the
0: best breadsticks if we're going to do the breadstick okay. talk <laughs> yeah. All right well
1: <laughs> Valerie <laughs> Valerie where did you get that <laughs> he do you have anything else Valerie by accident <laughs> once
0: and now he thinks it's funny every single time so did you get yourself a, a book for the one year anniversary
2: I did I did I, I think that was awesome uh, like I looked through it it's just yeah so many memories so many good like just crazy moments and definitely some of my most memorable uh, moments in poker have been on the Hustler even though I've only it's only been around for just, just this first year anniversary so um but, uh, yeah, it's just crazy looking through that, that book and seeing all those moments, you know? Can I yeah, ask you, cool.
0: what mm-hmm. are your are your parents supportive of your career field?
2: They are now. They weren't for a while. Um, I think after they saw the success and the passion that I had for poker, uh, they became more supportive over time. It took a while for them to digest. They're very because, traditional. Yeah, traditional yeah. Asians don't like anything to do with poker. They still see it completely as gambling. Uh, don't blame them because that's how it was growing up with uh, just its culture in general but uh, definitely more supportive now mm-hmm.
0: do you have any uh, people in your family who were gamblers and lost everything that kind of persuaded them to not like it or because I know in my family <laughs> <You're>, yeah <laughs> I have an uncle who was a straight up d probably gave me the the gene but I've been like you know, uh, what, a what was
2: better. his? Uh, what did he play? Like uh, pick games, or what was his? Oh no, he was stuff? playing
0: like private games in Poland.
2: Poker games, though. Yeah, poker games. Okay, okay, that definitely hurt. Then of his. Yeah, poker. he was
0: hella degen. <laughs> no one
2: won though in Poland. No one in wins games, in Poland,
0: no one yeah. Wins. Every nine players play, they all lose. <laughs> we, were, we were playing for fish. That's what we were playing for. My mom my, or my grandmother owned a fish store. So okay. we were playing for fish. No, no, I don't know. He, I know he lost. He, we would send the money and he... My, my fucking parents are gonna be so mad at me. But we would send money and mm. he would lose it, yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I think in... To answer your question, like, uh, nobody in my direct family uh, had anything involving with gambling and poker. But I think it's just so ingrained in the culture. You know, it's so ingrained in Chinese culture like gambling, anything to do with gambling and they still don't they don't want to hear the the differences. I actually made a video uh, when I was out there in Taiwan that specifically talked about the uh, misconceptions about poker and one of them I, I talked about was the um, thumb just equating baccarat, or anything with gambling with poker they don't want to they don't want to hear the reasons. They don't care. It's just that's gambling, you know, yeah. and it's still it's, it's slowly improving, though.
0: So I don't like I hate asking questions about a whole country of people mm-hmm. because everybody's different. Like yeah. every family thinks differently about things. But there's like a general tone, I think, mm-hmm. oh, like Polish people. I could uh, generally traditions. say traditional. Yeah. traditions. Yeah. Is it a is it a superstitious culture, Chinese culture?
2: Very, very superstitious. Uh, I think um, like many people know this, but like even just to demonstrate how um, superstitious it is, like in hospitals, in uh, China and Taiwan, there's, we don't have the uh, we don't have um, uh, fourth floor in an elevator. Four
0: is our thirteen.
2: <laughs> yeah, because the the number four, if you translate it in Chinese, the pronunciation sounds like the word. It's the same as the word death. Mm-hmm. And so nobody wants to be put on the fourth floor oh, in the hospital. Oh, that is interesting. And so it just the goes from three floor. to five. Yeah. And even in most, um, even like not even now, it's like not even in hospitals. It's like if you go to an apartment building and it just goes from three to five. Who wants to live on the fourth floor? So I used ah. to be I used to be a nurse, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, it's been a while. But I can't imagine now because I've had Chinese patients. Uh-huh. I can't imagine because I worked on the fourth floor. There were like a bunch of units. Of, I can't yeah. imagine those poor patients waking up on the fourth floor. Like, welcome to the death floor. <laughs> welcome to the fourth floor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I hope you've had a nice life. I'm your
0: nurse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Chinese,
2: well, Chinese people are so superstitious and sensitive to numbers, you know? And yeah. that's and, and that's another thing that I should, I should mention now that we're on this topic is, like, if you're at the table and, like, a dealer is being berated, I'm definitely against that. I think uh, players should definitely speak up. I think the dealer should speak up. I think that player should be um, punished for that and not mm-hmm. allow that to happen. However, I do have to say that I, when I see that happening with a Chinese player or an Asian player, I'm very understanding of why that is because... Like we talk about superstition here, they're superstitious to the deck, the seat number, the dealer, all these things, and they truly feel that the dealer or whatever the wash or it's is part of the reason why they're losing. Yeah, uh, And It's not that yeah. they want to attack and be an asshole. It's just they, it's just ingrained it's in their does culture. Mean their culture? Mike, uh, culture. Uh, Asian. Huh? Is Armenian? Mike Asian? <laughs> that I can't say
1: that. that yeah. <laughs> wow, well, I didn't know he is Asian. He is today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, to that he point, blames the dealers. <laughs> oh my God! I've never seen Scramble anything. Scramble yeah. this, that, You <laughs> <laughs> So the deal That's so terrible. Uh, the, it, like with Chris, uh, you know he's Chinese and um, very superstitious. Like mm-hmm. he things like, "Hey, you're gonna play today," and then if like he doesn't get a seat and then he gets, then he thinks it's bad luck that he didn't, and now he's gonna play and he shouldn't mm-hmm. play today. And he doesn't want to look at the flop and he this, and he doesn't want to, and it's just the weirdest thing. So I got him a pink rabbit's foot okay. to try to help him out with his luck. And it just, it hasn't worked so yet. So I don't, yet, huh? no, he, he puts it right on the table too. And it's, he's still trying to get some mileage off it, but it's not working.
0: I am, I do not believe in anything superstitious. Like I'm a completely factual atheist. Yeah. So it's like so weird to me. It seems like so much mental gymnastics. Sure. I mean, I'm not going to get mad at someone, but I think it wastes time when people ask for a new setup or ask mm. for extra. Extra wash all the time (laughs) or like constantly moving seats or whatever the case may be like it it doesn't seem like there's a the the games that i've been it didn't seem like there's like a ton of logic to why they were making the decisions it just slowed down the game Mm. but like i get it i mean if it's ingrained in how you think what can you do
2: deck change is just so (laughs) tilting to me especially (laughs) when the dealer doesn't have a new deck so they gotta call for
0: the deck and yeah i mean
2: Oh, I have to admit that is one of my pet peeves, though. Yeah, it's, it's so, so I don't care if you're Chinese or not, man. <laughs> Stop,
1: <laughs> Stop, that. change, man. Stop That's a long process. <laughs> yeah. That's half your collection, bro. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah.
2: for sure, for sure.
0: Well,
1: um, yes, I else? no. I think I think we I can. can
0: okay. Okay. We oh, really yeah. appreciate your time, and Andy, it was really nice meeting you. It's great sure. watching you on the show. I mean, you're the best bluffer I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <sick> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, totally a needle. <laughs> Well, again, I am Nick Fertucci. Uh, this is this one. Veronica, <laughs> Valerie Brill. We got Andy Stacks. Thank you for tuning in. Andy, thank you for being here. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Veronica. Yep. That's great. Really appreciate and it. it. Envy out.